welcome to the Stoke Connect podcast series. Our podcasts are designed to not only connect with our staff, but to also motivate, inspire and educate on trending topics in our industry, plus so much more. You'll discover about your fellow colleagues, we'll explore some industry-relevant topics, and share useful tips on well-being, health and safety, as well as career and personal development. To hear our latest episode, go to stowaustralia.com.au or head to our Facebook page to hear the latest podcast. We hope that you enjoy the next episode of the Stoke Connect podcast series. Well, hello and welcome. My name's Craig Pendleton, and it's my pleasure to be hosting today's podcast. Our special guest today is John Brumack of Sydney Construction. John has been one of our leading project managers for several years now. I've invited John along today to talk about his journey to become a project manager and to hear about his experiences with the recent BankWest project. So welcome, John. Thanks, Craig, and uh, well, um, thank you for having me on uh, Stowe Podcast. You're very welcome. So like a lot of people at Stowe, you started your career as a first-year apprentice electrician, and here you are today running projects in the tens of millions of dollars and being responsible for the safety and well-being of you know large installation teams. So can you tell us about your journey from first-year apprentice to project manager? Okay, I feel like um, I've got to limit this if, because due to my age, I could be here forever. Um, look, as a first-year apprentice, um, I did not start with Stowe Australia. I actually started with a company called James Watt. Um, and the opportunity um, to come across to Stowe happened in about 1993. Um, I was in basically employed with Stowe from 1993 and I've been with Stowe ever since and um, that's now getting on to 28 years to my present employment. So um, been a fantastic opportunity with a, with a really good company. And how, how early on did you know, hey, project management's the space I want to be? Because there's so many other avenues you could go. You could be an estimator, you could be some other role. What drew, drew you to being a project manager? Well, I guess um, when I started with Stowe, I pretty much started as a – like a leading hand foreman for them and um, literally from day one was given a, an, an area of a project to run. Um, I quite enjoyed the challenge and from that point on I progressively grew in the role um, as a foreman and um, um, I, I guess in a very short time I sort of became a, like a, more of a site manager where I had guys working for us um, and before you knew it uh, a few more years had gone probably another 10 and um, officially became a project manager. So from that point, I, I have had delved in the other areas of estimating whilst um, doing some of these larger projects, but there was something about project managing that um, seemed to appeal to me a little more. Very good. So back in 2019, you um, completed the Bankwest Stadium Project at Parramatta and for the non-sporty people listening, that's the stadium that's the home to the Parramatta Eels Rugby League team and the Western Sydney Wanderers soccer team. I think the overall build cost the government about $360 million, and it's really one of the standout landmarks in Parramatta. So was that the most difficult project of your career up until that point? Um, look, Western Sydney Stadium, Bankwest Stadium was certainly a, a challenging project, but um, I certainly wouldn't suggest it was the most difficult. I'd probably put that back to uh, a project like Darling Harbour, um, Darling Harbour Live. That was uh, certainly the most difficult project to date for myself. Um, it was a joint venture between Stowe Australia and Freedom, um, which had its own executive board. Um, it was $100 million worth of electrical work 
and we employed somewhere between 200 and 250 people at its peak. Um, so every morning I got up, I knew I was living. Um, from there, obviously, Bank West does take a, a fairly close second in reference to the risks around trying to build a stadium that is fit for purpose for the area. It was a 30,000-seat stadium, um, which has an active public realm. Um, to take something like that up from basically a concept design to a finished product that would uh, be the vision for the Parramatta area was uh, certainly a challenge in its time. And I think the uh, the final product that we ended up with uh, has, has worked out really well. So I can't imagine like a, a large project like that just falls into your lap. Um, can you talk us through the process, you know, from throwing a number out there as a tender to actually doing the deal with the client? How, how does that process look for a job like that? Tendering is always a, an interesting time um, because being a T1 uh, company, um, Star Australia is always looking for best design, um, looking for a good outcome. Um, to win this with um, a company such as Lendlease, there's a, there's a high demand there on on the quality of the project, innovation, um, and you know also winning the surrounding Parramatta precinct area um, in our design. Um, I believe Stowe looked at all these elements in 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 very clear detail, and when you look at where we needed to go to make sure that this stadium actually met the vision uh, for the area, it was uh, quite an undertaking. The stadium also needed to be uh, FIFA compliant. Um, this is a requirement for the World Cup soccer. Um, and to take all those elements into place and come up with a price that is going to, to win you the bid is quite the challenge. And um, we continued down the path of making sure that we ticked all those key um, elements and were very successful at the end by winning the project, which was um, um, obviously puts Stowe now in a standing where we're in a position we can go and do other projects like this in Australia should the uh, requirement come up. And how much do you think of um, that situation, winning the job, comes down to relationships and past experience? Oh, look, relationships um, in our industry are extremely important um, for a couple of reasons. Um, obviously, you've got the, 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 the very much the surface level, which is the relationship, but past that, you've got people that know that the business you work for, you as a person, are trustworthy and will bring success to their overall project and to the client. And ultimately, this is what um, everyone's looking for. So if they know they've got people which have got their back, um, they will really take that into account in the overall pricing. So um, relationships are extremely important in a, in a business like Stowe Australia and our electrical business. So you can have a good number, but you've got to have the brand behind you. The brand is extremely important. Um, I think we've all seen from time to time people may come um, turn up with some fantastic numbers but if the branding isn't right, there's a hesitation there. Um, and like a lot of uh, different projects, at times people do fall into a trap of going with price and, and the outcomes aren't necessarily good. But when you have a brand and a price that meets the requirements, you know you're uh, on a sure thing. And that um, is very much Stowe Australia through the projects I've done with them. Okay, so you do all that work, you get it over the line, you high-five each other and say, great, we picked up this project. Where do you start resourcing something like that? How do you break it down? What sort of a team did you have to put together to deliver a project like Bankwest? Yeah, great question. Um, that's always a really difficult thing because you've got budgetary constraints initially to work out what you need the outcome to uh, to be. So you need to start with obviously the design element, um, your design engineers and your uh, 
team leaders, if you like, your foreman for the project. Um, when we look at the design, we sit down as a group, break the elements down from lighting, power, switchboards, UPS supplies, emergency lighting and uh, communication systems. We would then delegate that out to uh, each person that would run those sections and then um, start looking at design at that critical level. We also uh, these days have the ability to do design through Revit modelling. Um, this has certainly helped in the overall collaboration uh, with other uh, vendors and contractors to ensure that the, uh, the design is cohesive. And do you remember what you peaked at out there with your, your manpower? Oh, look, the, um, I think the, the, the direct stow labour out there, we, we were somewhere between 60 and 70 direct guys at peak and with our subcontractors we had additional 40 to 50 people out there. The civil component out there was uh, substantial. We had the, um, the whole um, precinct which we had to do, which included all the external lighting, car park uh, lighting, et cetera, and it also had a lot of um, um, interesting requirements in and around the earth because it was um, asbestos filled originally, so we had to work in with all that. So there's a lot of things to consider whilst um, working in that space. And how many people would you have at, say, foreman level to take some of the pressure off you because, you know, keeping across 100 people's not easy and making sure they're achieving milestones. You know, what what sort of size team have you got under you to help you manage that workforce? Um, so typically on a, on a project of that size, you, it all comes down to the numbers again. But we, look, we definitely have a, um, a CA, which is the contracts administrator, to deal with the day-to-day invoicing contract items um, and general build of variations. I would then have a... Um, what I'd call a, uh, a site uh, foreman, a general site foreman, um, and directly under him on that particular project, I had two um, additional foremen taking care of the east and west wing, and then you had a, um, I think there was probably another two to three leading hands. That's generally your makeup for that whole project. Um, when you look at the time frame that was delivered in, that was a, uh, a fairly tight crew to, to, to achieve that outcome. Uh, but ultimately, we got there with that crew, and um, and uh, we got there uh, very successfully. Cool. So we're talking building a stadium here. So it's not like your typical floor fit out where you get a lot of continuity between jobs, a lot of similarities. So being a one-off bespoke stadium, what are some of the engineering challenges that came up, and and how did you overcome them? Yeah, this is always a trick with uh, these types of projects because they are the one-off. It can't be a lessons learnt. Uh, from previous projects where you've learnt something and, you know, you go, well, well we won't do that again. It's typically um, design on the run at times because we, we we see new things out there or new requirements which haven't been done anywhere else. A good example of that would be, uh, for example, the stadium lighting. Um, it needed to meet FIFA requirements, but we also needed to ensure that the lighting could be designed in such a way that um, it was efficient to put up. We didn't need to use major um towers or crane towers to be lifting these uh, fittings up during a, a very critical time in the program where the roof has been complete. So we actually had special um, fabricated metal sections made up which would hold four to five fittings at any one time. Typically they were in groups of three and four. Um, these were pre-made on the floor. They were, in, they were then installed on the roof section that was about to be lifted um, and it all got lifted in one go. So instead of having to do all this work from an EWP at you know, on an 80-foot boom, for example. Um, this was all completed whilst being on uh, solid ground. It removed the risk 
of injury. It removed the risk of falls. It removed all those types of risks um, at that kind of height. Um, and the outcome of that was um, extremely efficient and worked uh, very, very well for uh, the business. Great. Um, so we're talking a big project over a reasonable amount of time. Was there any sort of funny moments that came up during the project that you look back on and uh, stand out for you? Look, on projects like this, um, I think the hours on that project, just from a stow perspective, we, God, we had something around about the 120,000 man hours. So um, as you can imagine, there's lots of funny little stories that um, happen out there. But one that uh, typically comes to mind is when we're in the commissioning phase of handing over the project to the client, which was a venue in New South Wales, um, we had to do a fairly uh, extensive test on the arena lighting. This was uh, this involved quite a bit of uh, gridding of the field so we could measure the lighting in all its different aspects. And uh, just as the testing was about to commence, the sky filled with lightning, which um, followed by a deluge of rain and hail. It was quite a spec- it was quite spectacular to watch, but during that whole um, episode, it was quite unfortunate because it um, also highlighted some of the issues in and around the drainage on the on the uh, design of the roof. Um, water was coming out of places where it probably shouldn't have, so it was uh, certainly a moment where where people didn't know where to look. But um, fortunately, the uh, the rain did stop. It allowed us to finish our uh, testing, and uh, basically, we got uh, project acceptance from the client on that day. So uh, our component of the works went well. But yeah, it was quite a quite a funny evening to uh, to see it unfold. And I guess as a project manager, you're looking at the sky, thinking, "Geez, what else could go wrong?" No, absolutely. Um, I can tell you that um, when we um, got through it and we got project acceptance, um, there was definitely a, a few biz had after it just to uh, to calm the nerves, I guess. Good to hear. Um, so, look, being a project manager is not an easy role. It's a tough gig. Um, what do you see as the important attributes, you know, a good project manager should have? Look, um, project managing is a tough gig um, and to be good at it, it, does, it isn't something um, you typically just learn straight away. Well, certainly um, I found it um, something that you needed to definitely work on. But if I could give some advice out there, um, from an attribute perspective, I'd say communication skills would be something that you should prioritise as your number one item. If you don't communicate, don't expect a good outcome. And to learn to communicate clearly is, uh, is, a, is a skill in itself. Um, so for me, that that was one of the one of the key things I, I would tell my guys that I see coming up through the uh, through the ranks. Um, that's typically then followed by time management uh, priorities. Understand what needs to be done and understand the time frame you've got it in. Organisational awareness: um, who and how and who should be doing what. Understand um, what your people should be doing, and you do that through your own leadership. Um, you know, and look from there when a project's in full swing. There's going to be plenty of things that look great on the drawing and have been designed but just don't quite work out that way when you're looking it out in the field and that's due to um, other third parties that may have changed and make sure that you understand problem solving. Problem solving is something that um, if you do go out on site, be flexible, have a look at it and ensure that you bring your team um, and include your team as part of it because you find that the problem solving process can be rewarding but it can also be something that can prevent a, a very costly process at the end if it's not picked up and this is done through technical expertise and and generally confidence and those things do come with some time in in that project managing um, um, role and um, always remember to trust your team um, your team is what um, allows the circle to spin and um, they're the people that are going to get you to the uh, to the end of the race 
So I guess what I'm hearing there is a lot of good people skills are required to cover the communication, the the management, the human side of the the equation. Absolutely, Ed, and 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 that's probably a great way to put it. it is it is very much a human side of it, and it's important to always remember that um, at times we can take a, a very robotic, a very machine approach to things. Um, whilst we remember that um, that that people are involved with this, and and from time to time things don't quite turn out right, and it's generally due to just um, unforeseen changes. Um, and it's just remembering to um, to use that problem solving skill to uh, to get a good outcome. Great. So judging by the grey hairs, you've been doing this for a while now, John. So They call that distinguished. <laughs> now, you, you've learned a lot along the way. If there's something that you could have told yourself when you were starting out, just based on the experience you've had, what would that one thing be that you could give advice to your younger self? Oh, look, um, that's, a, that's a fairly difficult question. I think it comes back to those attributes. Um, Understand those attributes from from a communication skill point of view, and um, and try to be confident in what you do because with confidence, um, that will allow you to um, to become quite successful at what you do. But don't be afraid to take advice through that process. So just back yourself. Basically. Back yourself. Yes, you have to back yourself in 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 this type of arena. It's a um, it's a fairly robust arena where things got to happen quickly, and if you're not backing yourself, um, it's going to make it very difficult to get to the end of the race. So tell me what it's like. You complete a job like Bankwest, you're sitting at home, you flick on the TV, you see a footy match on at the stadium you just built. Must be a nice feeling, but is it sort of nerve-wracking sometimes, you know, wondering are the lights going to stay on or is it all going to run smoothly? Um, yeah, funny you should say that. Um, I think when the first game's played or the first time the lights are turned on in anything you build, but particularly something like a stadium which has got broadcast rights, and it is uh, broadcasted right around Australia and sometimes even around the world, depending on what may be played there. Yeah, it certainly it certainly can be nerve-wracking. Um, I've been fortunate enough at this stage of my projects not to have anything go uh, south, but um, I must say the first time it is turned on, uh, you do sit there um, hoping that everything goes well, but that comes back to backing yourself, knowing that you've done all the right things, you've done all your tests, um, you've got all the right people there um, that have ticked the right boxes and... Uh, and and it, and that has worked for me uh, through my um, twenty eight years with Star, when probably thirty three odd years in the industry. Wow! So just before we wrap up, do you have any advice up there for the young up and coming project managers? And I'm particularly thinking in the areas of work life balance and stress, because as an industry, we haven't always done as well as we could have in that area. So, what's your take on that, John? Yeah, I agree with you, Craig. Um, our industry, um, being the type of industry very program based, very time driven. Um, a work-life balance um, is an extremely difficult thing to achieve and you're never going to achieve it unless you um, actually make time for it. Uh, myself personally, I, I um, get onto the dirt bikes. I love my um, enduro riding and I'm also into the mountain biking and I find that is the, um, the cure for me. Like if you, if you have something that you can switch off completely with um, and they are fairly aggressive sports which just allow me to switch off for the period when I'm on them, it's a reset and without having something outside of work or a or a reset mode, look, it doesn't have to be obviously motorbike riding. It could be a nice stroll down the park. It could be, you know, going to the gym, game of squash, game of footy, whatever it may be. But um, try to ensure you've got something. You're not just going to work and just coming home and doing that five or six days a week without actually having a reset for your body. I think that's extremely important and particularly in today's climate where we've got, 
um, all these third-party things happening in the world with COVID, et cetera, and people are now spending a lot more times indoor, um, you really need to ensure that you give your body a chance to reset. So I think that's important in our industry. So it's all about prioritising and scheduling it in and making sure it happens. Yeah, you're basically project managing your time inside of work and outside <laughs> of the work. It's, it's, um, it's really what it, that all sounded like. But um, unfortunately, that's where it all sits at. You really do need to make time for yourself because without that, um, you're going to find it a lot more difficult to, to be successful in what you do. And that's not just in project managing. Um, that would be a general um, career advice I would suggest. Make, make sure that you make some time for yourself. Thanks, John. Look, it's been really great having you join us today. Um, thank you for sharing your journey and your insights into project management. And maybe just as we wrap up, can you just tell us what you're currently working on? Yeah. Um, look, at the moment we're working over at Liverpool Hospital. We're doing a early works package there where um, we're building brand new education facilities, new kitchen facilities to allow way for um, a brand new wing of the hospital to be built. Um, in an existing part of the hospital. So there'll be some demolition going in that space. Um, prior to demolition um, happening, obviously, we need to uh, have these other areas built. The aim will be to um, get through this early works package and um, um, if successful, we will win the next part of Liverpool Hospital, which should uh, keep us uh, busy for the next five years. Well, we look forward to having you back on the podcast in five years to hear how it's gone, John. I look forward to it, Craig. Probably a little greyer, but um, let's see where we get to. Thanks, buddy. Talk soon.